What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And welcome to Monster Legend Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner. And today's episode is Monster Legends of North Dakota. Start off today with a little history on North Dakota. This is from Britannica.com. When Europeans reached the territory of present-day North Dakota in the mid-1700s, several peoples were already living in the region. The Mandan, Hadasta, and Arikara were settled along the Missouri River. The Ojibwa, locally called Chippewa or Anishinaabe, and Cree resided in the northeast, and various Sioux groups, the Assiniboine, Yankent, and Wampatan, and Tantan, inhabited areas in the north, southeast, and west. The Canadian fur traders, Pierre, Daltier de Furness to de la Vendre was one of the first explorers of the North Dakota area. He visited a cluster of earthen lodge villages, villages near present-day Bismarck in 1738. Fur traders from Hudson Bay and Montreal began arriving in the area on a regular basis in the 1790s. The first permanent trading post in North Dakota established in 1801 at Pembina. American explorers Murray Worth Lewis and William Clark arrived at Mandan and Hedasta villages in 1804 near present-day Bismarck. They were taken with the friendliness of the village residents and constructed Fort Mandan nearby, where they passed the winter of 1804 to 1805. Today, the North Dakota Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center is at Washburn, about 30 miles north of Bismarck. The United States acquired the lands drained by the Red and Soros River systems, which from 1670 has been part of Rupert's land through the Rush Magot Agreement of 1817 and the remainder of what became North Dakota from France 
through the Louisiana Purchase in 1803. In the 1820s and 30s, American traders brought in guns, kettles, blankets, axes, and liquor, but also disease. The Native Americans became dependent on the traders for their supplies, and in the process, many Indians died. In 1837, smallpox reduced the Mandan population of North Dakota from about 1,800 to 125 in a few months. Native American hostility grew when steamboat traffic increased at the discovery of gold in Montana in 1862 and when the U.S. Army built forts along the rivers. In 1876, Lieutenant Colonel George A. Custer and the 7th Cavalry set out from Fort Abraham Lincoln south of present-day Mendan for their faithful encounter with the Sioux and Cheyenne in the Battle of the Little Bighorn, fought in present-day Montana. The fur trade declined in the 1860s, and Anglo-Saxon settlement began in earnest in 1871, when railroads reached the Red River from St. Paul in Duluth, Minnesota. A food of a flood of pioneers who acquired land under the Homestead Act of 1862 turned to wheat farming. During the period known as the Dakota Boom from 1878 to 1886, many giant farms stretched across the new state. In North Dakota, we made Minneapolis, Minnesota, the milling center of the country in the 1880s. The Northern Pacific and Great Northern Railway companies vied with each other to reach the richest grain centers. Dependence on wheat unified the farmers, outstrikes in the region-wide populist movement. The Dakota Territory, which was established in 1861, was divided in 1889, and both North and South Dakota were admitted to the Union of November 2nd, 1889. Soon after the period of Pioneer Summit ended in about 1920, a nonpartisan league which exerted great influence on the state government established a state-owned bank, flour mill, and grain elevator. The league soon lost its political clout, but the North Dakota Farmer Union, founded in 1927, launched a strong and cooperative movement to control the selling of grain and the purchase of farm supplies. Such radical farm movements led many North Dakotans to oppose U.S. interventions in both world wars because they identified participation with war profits and generated for Wall Street firms. Since 1915, North Dakota's history has been marked by increasing mechanization of agriculture, enlargement of farms, the loss of rural population, and the widespread use of the automobile. After World War II came rural electrification, soil conservation, and highway construction. In the 1950s, North Dakota became an oil-producing state. Construction of the Garrison Dam on the Missouri River, completed in 1954, created an enormous reservoir. Lake Satchua, while important for hydraulic production and irrigation, dam flooded Native American farmland. We all know real life can suck sometimes, and your boss accidentally seeing you in your underpants on Zoom last week doesn't help any. That's why Reluctantly Codependent Sisters, the Shira and Rashalia, keep you enthralled and in stitches every week with their podcast, 
Legendary Africa. Every Monday and Friday, we take you on a journey of mythical lands, magical objects, and monstrous creatures, both ancient and modern. Find Legendary Africa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you feed your ears. And remember, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Uh. At the beginning of the 21st century, Americans' claims for compensation were still not resolved. In 1960s, Air Force bases, missile sites, and anti-ballistic missile installations were built in the state. A major expansion of the interstate highway system through North Dakota was completed in the 1970s. Throughout the 1980s and 90s, the state's economy was affected by worldwide variations in the pricing of both fossil fuels and agricultural products, as well as by adverse weather, most notably a number of severe floods in the 1990s. The Freedom to Farm Act of 1996, federal legislation that phased out certain subsidies over a seven-year period, had negative impact on the state's agriculture. An economy also suffered from the downsizing of military installations, most notably the Air Force bases. In the early 21st century, flooding continued to cause disasters in numbers in numerous locations across the state, but mostly notably in the drainage basins of the Red River of the North and Devil's Lake, such as catastrophes have a significant impact on even a small percentage of the state's income that is derived from manufacturing and tourism in North Dakota. Other major issues include increases in teenage alcohol abuse and drug use, especially methamphetamine or meth, meth, I'll say meth, uh, more commonly known as crystal meth, as well as gambling problems among adults. Meanwhile, North Dakota's government struggled to reverse current demographic trends by attempting to attract former residents back to the state to raise families. Yet the stoic approach many North Dakotans take to such issues is not to be confused with defeating complacency. Indeed, more than ever, North Dakota communities are determined to employ their first their fierce spirit to overcome these obstacles as they have others. So that's a little, little thing about North Dakota there. Little, little back uh, ground North Dakota. So what's the first monster? Legends of the Miniwasha. Legend of Mini Wachito, Missouri River Monster. This is from uh, Ghosts of North Dakota by Troy Larson. Published on September 6, 2015. This, uh, you can't. Uh, the scientific field of cryptozoology deals with the theories of creatures known unknown to science many of which have their origins in Native American lore. Stories of Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest and the Wendigo in Minnesota and the Great Lakes region originate with Native people. Even North Dakota has a mysterious but little-known monster. A legend of the North Dakota nation tells the story of Mini Washito, a Missouri River monster of terrifying appearance and effect. Author Melvin Randolph Gilmore, one-time curator, 
for the North Dakota State Historical Society, wrote about Mnee Washito in 1972, 1921, I'm sorry. Uh, it is said that in the long ago, there was a mysterious being that in the stream of the Missouri River. It was seldom seen by human beings and was most dreadful to see. It is said that sometimes it was even within the water in the middle of the stream, causing a redness shining like the redness of fire as it passed up the stream against the current with a ter terrific roaring sound. And they say that if this dreadful being was seen by anyone, in the daytime, anyone who thus saw it soon after becoming crazy and continued restless and writhing as though in pain till he was relieved by death. And it is said that one time, not a very great many years ago, this frightful being was seen by a man and he told how it appeared. He said it was a strange form covered all over with hair like a buffalo, but red in color. They had only one eye in the middle of its forehead, and above that, a single horn. Its backbone stood out, notched and jagged, like an enormous saw. As soon as the man beheld the awful sight, everything became dark to him. He said he was just able to reach home, but he lost his reason, and soon after that, he died. It is said, this mysterious Mini Washito still lives in the Missouri River, and that in springtime, as it moves upstream against the current, it breaks up the ice of the river. This water monster was held in awe and dread by the people. It's not hard to imagine the dread people felt, considering the horror of the legend, a red, hairy serpent of the Missouri River with one eye, a horn, and sharp spines along its back. Its appearance was accompanied by a terrifying roar and it imparted blindness and insanity on anyone who saw it. Death followed soon after. Come spring. Perhaps it's best to divert your eyes from the Missouri River and avoid the terrible visage of the mini Washita. Next. <coughs> Devil's Lake Monster. The Devil's Lake Monster. The following story appeared in the Grand Forks Daily Herald on July 21st, 1915. That Devil's Lake Sea Serpent, bask in sunshine for admiring crowds, now still haunted. Herald Special Service, Devil's Lake. North Dakota, July 21st. Stretch out on the surface of the Bay of Devil's Lake, fronting Chattaqua, the monster sea serpent, basked in the delightful evening sunshine shortly before sundown last night, while residents of Chattaqua and Greenwood looked on in silent amazement. The serpent was viewed from several different points. There was no mistake about it. The monster had a part figured has figured in the legend of Devil's Lake for half a century when only the Indians inhabited the country or a descendant which answers the earliest description seen by so many that no one disputes the fact that it lives in the waters of the lake. E.M. Lewis and Chaz Pillsbury 
well-known businessman, saw the serpent very distinctly. Unknown to each other, it was stretched out on the water about a quarter of a mile from shore. It is described as being between 50 and 60 feet long and between a foot and two feet in diameter. Captain Walter Forstendal First, I don't know, of the police force, occupied by his wife, also witnessed the sight. The last time the serpent was seen was, was a couple of years ago by Reverend C.L. Wallace of M.E. Church. At that time, it was in the stream east end of the lake. It happens that this section is separated from the section where a serpent was seen last night by a bridge at the Narrows, which really, which in reality is a dike, there being no water passage. How the monster got into the west end of the lake is the present mystery. That is, it vaulted the bridge or that it, there were two separate serpents in the lake. <laughs> the collision reached today. In any event, it's been established beyond the question of a doubt that a monster lives in the lake. And, there's already, and already there is talk of exhibitions to get closer touch with the freak. Hmm. Interesting. According to a recent report, a North Dakota man tracked what he believed to be a Bigfoot after an elusive cryptid was spotted by a family friend through a kitchen window. This latest Bigfoot sighting was reported by an experienced tracker named Christopher Barr who claims the creature left behind miles of tracks. There were hundreds of tracks in the snow that stretched over seven miles before they disappeared into the hills, according to Barr. After being spotted through the window in Allendale, North Dakota, the possible Sasquatch was described as being huge, hairy, and an ugly monster. Barr began to track the creature, which, according to his report, had approximately a four-foot stride, leaving behind seven very deep impressions from the 18 by 8 inch footprints. Barr was able to get some very interesting photos of the possible Bigfoot tracks, which were sent to a Bigfoot expert at the University of Idaho, which may be Dr. Jeff Meldrum. After looking them over, the professor said the prints looked promising. Barr also said there were two places where he heated up the snow and reached down and picked up either a mouse or a vole or something like that. This is definitely not one of the most intriguing Bigfoot sightings in 2017, and the photos of the possible Bigfoot footprints are sure to raise plenty of interest. Could this possibly be actual Bigfoot evidence and proof of a North Dakota Bigfoot? And look at this track. It was featured on WDA. Uh, local news channel. There's a big footprints. Right. Uh, the Chitanka. The Chitanka is a large, shaggy, woolen being of Sioux folklore. Some people associate with him the legend of Bigfoot. His name literally means Big Elder Brothers. One creature? 
Two face. Double face. Two face. Two face is a malevolent humanoid monster of the Plain Indian tribes. In some tribes, two faces are described as ogres, but most often the two face resemble a human except for having a second face on the back of his head or her head. If people make eye contact with his second face, they will either be stuck dead or paralyzed with fear and the two face returns to murder them. In some traditions, there is many there's only one two face female in some tribes and male in others, while other traditions suggest a whole race of two faces. The mysteries of two face range from murdering and mutilating people to cannibalism to kidnapping or even just frightening misbehaving children. In some Sioux legends, double faced women is to blame for childhood fits and night terrors. In the Omaha mythology, it is a two face who kills the pregnant mother of the Twin heroes. And I will read you that story. Uh, an Omaha woman was pregnant with twins. Before her husband went on hunting, he used to warn her, any strange person comes here while I'm out. Just don't look at him. You could be in danger. One day, an old man came to the lodge while the man was hunting. And a woman sat with her back to him. She didn't look at him. He came by next, back the next day, and she still did not look at him. On the third day, he came back to the lodge again. Well, the woman still would not look at him. But on the fourth day, when he came back, she couldn't stand it anymore, and she peeked. She saw a two-face, a man-eating ogre. Everyone who looked at him died. The Omaha woman died as soon as she laid eyes on him. And the two-faced cut her up and ate her. He took one of her babies out of her body and threw it in the woods. But he didn't notice the other one. When a woman's husband came back and saw her remains, he knew what had happened. He started to grieve, but he noticed the baby was still alive. So he better take care of it. Of him. He didn't know there were two babies. The other one was still in the woods. A bean mouse adopted him and fed him on bean. Soon, so the first twin grew up wild. Well, when the twins got older, they met each other again and knew they were brothers. They grew up to become heroes and have many adventures together. But that is another story for another day. Yeah, someone's get into that later. Okay. Uh uh Hiktomi also spelled uh Untomi or Inkantomi. It's Richard figure of Lakota and Dakota Sioux Miss. His name literally means spider and he can sometimes call Spider or Spider Man in English, but he's, he is usually depicted as a human man in two legends. Like other plain Indian trickster figures, Atomi is a negative role model based as socially and properly as possible by Sioux standards. Most Sioux stories about Atomi are constantly very funny, ranging from light hearted fables about foolish behavior to ribald jokes. While sometimes Ikumi's behavior is more severe and violent, 
and sort of become cautionary tales about the dangers of the world. Here's an Indian primordial stone spirit of Sioux mythology. Rabbit Boy, a folk hero of Sioux mythology, formed from a call of blood and raised by rabbits. Unte, uh, the great horned serpent of Sioux mythology, mortal enemy of Thunderbird. Thunderbird, known as English as the Thunderer of the Th or Thunderbird. Waking is a powerful sky spirit of Sioux Indian legends. Waking, oh, Waking Yon has the form of a giant bird, wings that make the sound of thunder, and eyes that shoot lightning. Sioux Thunderbird is the mortal enemy of the horned serpent. Take it. Uh, Waka Tonka, great creative power of Sumo cosmology, really known as Great Mystery. Originally, Waka Tonka was an abstract creative force who was never personified in Sioux legends. But after the introduction of Christianity, some native people began using it as the Sioux name of God. Coyote, Fisher God. Okay. That's, uh, it's pretty much it for North Dakota. Uh, wait, uh, fuck. Uh, ask people on Facebook and they, uh, can't find much. You know, uh, check out my new shirt. You check out my new shirt. You want some order a shirt? Let me know. I'll post a link or something. Uh, in this, uh, chat in this uh episode so let me know um have a good weekend have a good week about the 4th of july people have to get your fireworks ready and thank you for listening share this uh with all your friends and stuff i don't know what you think about it um uh, remember every week everywhere cryptids a Monster Legends Podcast. Bye. Well, now that you know Where you never should roam Sleep safely But keep one eye open In case they still follow you home Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. Or to find more information about Monster Legend Podcast, go to monsterlegendpodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash monsterlegendpodcast. There you can find all episodes and platforms on which the podcast is on, which you can describe, subscribe to. You also can email me with questions that will be answered on the show. Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.